0: Welcome to the Rational Health Podcast. This is episode number 51. I'm here with Hassan Mansoor. Hassan, you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure, sure. Uh all right. Uh, so my name is
1: Hassan Mansour. I am a uh strength and conditioning coach. Uh I this is my full-time gig. I coach for a living. Uh I've been doing that since about two, that 2017. I started doing this part-time alongside uh the job i was doing then and uh 2018 2019 time frame i uh went in uh, full-time i started working with uh, barbell medicine uh and uh that's that's been that's been what i've been doing since then i also a competitive powerlifter i've done some weightlifting um not only an online coach but i work with uh, folks in person uh regularly still um yeah, that's, that's, that's about what I do.
0: Great. Yeah. It was like, make sure you say the point that you're a practitioner as well as like an educator, you know, yeah, I love when people have the, uh, the coaching, but also they're in the trenches as well. That's like a really good mix to have.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I, I kind of fell into this. Uh, it, it was, it was kind of like a late thing. I hadn't planned on being a coach. I was actually working in like a project management construction, kind of like, like a medium sized company. And, uh, I thought that was, that was what I was going to do, but, uh, I started training in this like CrossFit-esque gym and, um, I started picking up like just some like part-time things and helping people with their programming or, or their training. And pretty soon it was like, okay, this is getting to be more than like a part-time job. I would leave work at like four or five, uh, train, then have some, you know, like one or two sessions with folks. And then pretty soon I was leaving the gym at like 11 o'clock and closing up the gym myself. I was like, okay, well, this, this is getting to be a bit much. And then uh, once I got the opportunity to, to coach full time, I was like, yeah, I, I think I'll do that instead.
0: So that's, that's how it came to be. Interesting. Yeah. So you like enjoyed it already and then it just yeah. naturally kind of went from there. Yeah. 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 It,
1: it kind of came to me like it, it came to me. I I wasn't like trying to I I know some folks go to like you know get their uh, you know ex- exercise physiology degree and and that that's what they want to do from a young age. But uh, I I never even had it in my mind that this would be something I do, and it just it just kind of worked out that way.
0: It's great it's great to know what's possible if you're you know passionate about what you do and yeah. you work hard as well. Of course, like you you know, you only we were talking off air about how you were sick. You only missed one session, which is very impressive. So you know in the the time when you weren't a full time coach yourself. Did you have a coach? A uh, coach yeah. near True?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh so I've uh I I've worked with Jordan Jordan Feigenbaum, the founder of Barbell Medicine, since like I want to say 2015 or 2016. I was uh kind of uh into powerlifting for a little while and uh I ran into Jordan at a seminar and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, I need some guidance, some help, some coaching. And uh he was kind enough to take me on and Along that way, he was kind of showing me the, the ropes. I had just like a natural interest in this. And uh, a few years later, I'm like, I think this guy's like mentoring me kind of. So, uh, yeah, that, that whole time, uh, Jordan was coaching me. And uh, then I got into some Olympic weightlifting. I I did that for a little while. Also with, with Jordan coaching and helping me out. And, uh, yeah, so I've uh, I, I worked with Jordan for a long time, maybe maybe five or six or seven years or something like that.
0: That's a, that's a long time like coaching. Yeah. Really, yeah. you learn a lot from, from a coach. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that's actually how we met. We, we met at the seminar up in, uh, Sacramento. So yeah. Sec- just as a kind of a side point, uh, you know, social media is great. It's a great way to connect with people. Seminars are a really good way, especially the Barbell medicine seminars. They're very educational. They're a lot of fun. You get forum feedback and stuff as well. So, you know, I've been to other ones like, um, Lane Norton or Brad Schoenfeld and stuff, and you get to actually meet the people, it's you know, it's it's a it's a really I would highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Uh
1: that that's something that I actually always recommend to people. Uh one of the like this is a really common question. i I'm, I'm sure you've gotten this before is people come to you and say, Hey, uh, you know, what uh what book can I read to learn how to coach? Or you know, what uh, you know what what text can I read that will just show me how to coach and how to program. And like I always have some stuff in my mind. I'm like, hey, I mean, like, tell me what interests you, and I'll kind of like direct you. But uh, I I think getting some um, some mentorship or going in going out and just meeting people, whether it be at seminars or like educational courses, I really think that that just opens up like a whole new world uh, for people that they they can't really get from just either you know just online courses or textbooks or something like that. I think that stuff is great. I think they should do it, but I, I definitely think mentorship or just, just going out into the world and, and seeing how people practice is, is, is really a huge benefit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Literally what you said is seeing how people practice. So two little anecdotes I can remember is uh, when I was at Lane Norton seminar, he was, uh, he was there and then it was time to have lunch. And I was like, it'll be interesting to see what a, you know, sort of uh a person like Lane, like a bodybuilder has, and he was having the diet coke. And I was like, Oh, he kind of practices when he preaches to kind of follow his macros and stuff. And, um, then I remember at, uh, the Bravo medicine seminar, all the coaches as, as much as they could anyway, were getting their workouts in, even though it was a long day, even though they were traveling, even though they were working. And I was like very impressed by the fact that like even, you know, just they were doing stuff like 20 minutes, just doing whatever they could. I was like, that's how you stay you know, uh, that's how you stay fit for life is just making the best of a tough situation, practicing what you preach. So there were, it was a really good example of like, yeah, this whole fitness thing, it doesn't have to consume your life. And, um, you can make it, uh, additive or supplementary kind of to your life in a way that, um, you know, it's not obsessive. It's actually enjoyable, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, also what you're seeing there is people who are, uh, highly motivated to, to, to do what they do because they're getting rewarded for that you know for for some that's 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 definitely not the case so uh co- us coaches we make a living you know doing this stuff so i think it's like a positive feedback loop but uh the other side of that is if someone's not coaching if they're not in this field and you know exercise for them is just something that they they have to do for their health it's like here take this you know it's this is your medicine or something like that uh they they might not have that you know same attitude and you, you still gotta you still gotta meet those people you know where, where they're at so
0: yeah exactly that's uh something i often think about with with clients or just you know for example your former self working as um, a project manager and it's like um maybe kind of an iteration of yourself where you weren't as passionate and going to a seminar which is that's a huge passion as someone who's not uh directly uh working in the field so like how do you know how do we as like health professionals kind of motivate them or what advice do we give them because you know they might have kids or they might have a lot of other demands and their health, you know, it's it's quite hard to get that positive feedback loop going, basically. And especially because it's January, you know, people are like, okay, New Year's resolution, trying to get healthier again after the holiday period. Do you have any kind of like thoughts around that or experience with kind of those situations where people struggle with the motivation? Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see this all the time. I, I actually, you know, I had this issue myself when uh, about a year back, my uh, my daughter was born and uh think like you know, my normal schedule fell apart. My motivation to go train was at, you know, all time low. I don't, I don't want to leave the house. I, you know, I want to help with the, with the kid. And so I, I think in, uh, in cases like that, what, um, the, the leverage you're trying to pull is you're, you're trying to see where, where you can meet someone and where you can meet someone and like the, where you can get the most least amount of friction. So, if you know if they're used to an hour and a half workout well maybe it's a shorter workout and uh if they're used to driving to the gym and they can't do that right now maybe there's a closer gym nearby maybe you can you know do home workout you're just trying to reduce the friction but um what I think doesn't work is you just tell someone hey well exercise is good for you therefore you must go exercise i i think people hear that message all the time with uh with exercise with nutrition well it's like oh well if you want to lose weight you just have to eat less you know i th- i think everyone knows that at this point so i think you're just trying to knock down barriers one by one and this mostly comes back to just having a conversation with someone like hey what's what's in your way right now and just going after that that next thing it's not it's not talking at people about the benefits of exercise or you know a certain nutrition intervention and usually, when you open up a conversation, people will tell you what's you know what's in the way, and uh, sometimes the solutions are quite practical. You know, it's you know find a different facility, or let's you know change the workout routine, let's change the exercises, let's change the plan. But I think the big thing is being willing to have that conversation and ask people what what their what their challenges are, because it's different for everyone. Sometimes it's time, um, sometimes it's just access. So I, I think it comes back to conversation and not, and not really just messaging about all the, all the health benefits or performance benefits or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not getting too focused on the details. Um, Yeah. Meeting people where you're at. That's a really good point. Um, Congratulations on your your baby girl. Um, Oh, thanks. So I, I've heard that a a lot recently, actually, just on the gym floor of basically, you know, dads and, and moms and stuff trying to manage. Uh, the kind of their old routine that they would have had pre you know parenthood so like how do you manage that i imagine it's probably one of the most difficult things to do so like whatever workout routine you had before now you have a a child you're trying to stay consistent but obviously you got this huge really important and meaningful demand to uh, attend to uh so the way i uh, the way i've done it is i scrapped my i scrapped my
1: old schedule in terms of days so i was very used to training uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. That's what I had done for five years. You know, those were my main <coughs> uh, res- uh, resistance training days. And uh, pretty soon I'm like, hey, you know, like the past two months, I've really missed Tuesdays. And Thursdays are really, really challenging for me because, you know, just the work and just it, it just came down to, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays are not really good days for me to schedule monster workouts or or big sessions or something like that. And for me, it was, it was that simple. It was just a schedule thing. So I reoriented my schedule, you know, Tuesday became an off day, completely off. It's, um, it's when my wife has her kind of like hard, you know, hard day at work. So it's important for me to be here pretty much, pretty much the whole day. And, uh, so for me, it was just simply a scheduling thing. Hey, I can move my schedule around. I can, you know, reorient my schedule around my life demands, not try to make my life, fit my, you know, exercise or training schedule. And um I know that probably sounds like a small thing, but for me it wasn't a small thing. It was like, hey, this is my schedule. This is what I've done for so long. And uh j- just, you know, just making that schedule change made it so much easier to just get out of the house on the days that it mattered, you know, because it was like, all right, now this is off my mind. This is, you know, these couple hours are me time and I I can go do what I do. And um for some people that's not you know, that's not like a small thing. I, I, I talked to plenty of uh, plenty of clients where, you know, their, their work schedule kind of like dictates what they can and can't do day in and day out. So I think, yeah, you just, you just got to have that conversation and see what, what the barrier is.
0: Yeah. Kind of plan your weeks in advance. I think yeah, as, yeah, as best yeah. you can, you know, it's like yeah. things come up and yeah. um, So you take a, a full day off on the Tuesday. So does that like uh, just, you know, while we were off air, we were saying about we were sick. You know, my own coach was telling me, okay, you're sick. You can't exercise, focus on your nutrition. You know, you can focus on other things, right? So it's like, I'm sure you weren't taking it completely off, you know? Like um, what kind of like sort of fitness things were you doing or fitness habits were you like maintaining or focusing on if you weren't uh, working out, if any? Uh, so I I guess... For me, a, a day off
1: would just be a day off of structured exercise. I'm still active throughout the day, but, uh, yeah, no, there, there wasn't any sort of structured exercise on that day. Um, my, my nutrition is it, it is what it is, you know, like I, I try to, you know, pair some habits along with my, with my, you know, training plan. Like I, if I, if I can, uh, my pre-workout me, I'll try to make it something that's high fiber, high protein, it's just my way of saying, you know, like, oh, hey, this is my pre-workout meal. It's an excuse for me to sneak in some healthy food throughout the day. So stuff like that is is just stuff that I've always done. But um, yeah, that's 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 what it was. It's just a day off.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Not not no structure structured exercise, but you still get other movement in, which is a very uh, healthy way to live long term. Um, so some something I'm thinking of just in your situation where time's limited and you have to switch your structure around. And because your background is like powerlifting, could you really strip a weekly workout plan all the way down to like, you know, the studs and basically have three workouts a week of, I just go in and I do squat. I just go in and I do bench and I just go in and I do deadlift or maybe all, maybe not, maybe not all in the one day, but maybe over two days, you know, really compact it down for say a period of time where, you know, you had a newborn, what, what would you think of the sort of like plus the pros and cons to doing something like that for a period of time not not long term but just where you know let's say life demands are really high how effective could an approach be that like, like that be um I,
1: I think this would come down to this would come down to the individual and just exactly what they could do on, on on those days for me something like that probably would not move the needle forward in terms of progress but it'd be pretty good maintenance work that's that's probably what my workouts look like for the first 2 months after um after our our child was born but um uh i i i think you can do something like that um but the the closer you are to kind of uh pushing the the envelope from from a performance side of things then there there's probably a trade-off that has to be made in terms of you know how much training time you're putting in how much uh how much re- resources you're you know, you're, you're, you're pouring into driving progress. I, I do think something like that can be, it could be a, a good plan to meet physical activity guidelines for resistance training. You can definitely do that in two days, you know, full body workouts and hit all major muscle groups twice per week. Um. Uh, But for me personally, that would probably be just a maintenance those it's not, it's not going to move the needle one way or
0: another. Yeah. It's like, we'd have to keep expectations lower. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes maintenance is, is good enough, right? If you're, if you're playing defense, that's, 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 that's not bad.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So something that comes to mind as I hear this, uh, in the bodybuilding circles is that if you're doing a show and you have to prep and stuff, you want to have like your life stress as like low as possible because it's so demanding. So I'm thinking kind of, um, similarly, um, you know, if life stress is really high, and you can't make progress um is it useful then you know just a maintenance phase like you know when you have a newborn is it like okay we'll just keep the expectation super low we'll just maintain we, we we actually cannot progress in this period of time or like is it unreasonable to expect to, to progress so like when life stress is really high is it unreasonable to say is, is it unreasonable to have a goal that you're going to like improve your squat or your bench or your deadlift
1: um i i think uh Probably this depends on, uh, just how much, uh, how much time you have, uh, to, to actually do the training that you're used to, or the, 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 workload that you're used to, um, if life stress is really high for a day, probably doesn't matter, you know, but if, uh, if you just have uh strict time limitations, then I think, then I think for the benefit of the athlete, maybe shifting expectations for, for a little while is not, is not such a bad thing. And if you shift the goalpost from, Hey, I have to move, uh, you know, I have to progress my squat and during this time where I don't have all these resources to train, if you move that from, I have to progress my squat to, you know what, my goal for the next month is just to kind of keep my workload as high as I can with within the, you know, the time limitations that I have. Well, that that's a pretty good goal and something you can actually try to do versus try to force a situation where you don't have a bunch of training resources. You don't have a lot of time to do the workload that's necessary to, you know, to Move you from point A to point B. I think I think at times like that, it's really helpful, especially for adherence to just shift the goalpost a little. It, the, the The goalpost can't always be "I need to make progress now" because you know life life just doesn't work out that way sometimes. So if if the if the environment is not permissive of something like that, then I think shifting the goalpost to something that's uh, a little more reasonable is is good. It's good for adherence. It's good for the athlete. It it's good in terms of you. You can you can you can still have a win, you know. And uh, maybe that win is not you know plus ten kilos on your squat, but you know maintaining your 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 work capacity or just uh, taking care of your health for a little while while things are crazy. That's 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 a win. It's better than taking time
0: off, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I'm just thinking of myself, and this past uh, Christmas was the most like productive i've ever had and um i didn't i don't think i wouldn't say like i made progress i just was consistent so excuse me i just basically was able to stay on top of my training not uh take many days off and be consistent it was like uh a real big win for me relative to a previous christmases before um and it's like those little wins kind of add up over time you know you can't always add like 10 kilos to your bench or you know your squat or whatever so um I think it's kind of like the more uh, time you have in the game little ways to progress pop up like that. Um, Yeah. yeah. Is that like your experience where um, it's not just, you know, your total that you can progress on? There's like other areas to improve.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the, sometimes even when uh, things are, you know, things, things are fine and things are going well and you have all the time in the world to train. Sometimes it's, it's helpful to, have a little goal for you know a block or a structured period of training that's not just how can i get as strong as possible in the smallest amount of time possible sometimes it's good to shift the emphasis to you know what i'm taking these next four weeks to you know build some more capacity or try this new thing and just you know see see how i respond um i i i think the the idea that uh we can just like force sports progress in some way it's like you see it, you see it everywhere. And, in you know, and you see it in lifting circles, you see it in running circles, like it, these like force of will kind of conversations. Like if I just, you know, really bear down and try hard enough, then, then, you know, the progress will come when I think that's like, that's almost completely backwards. It's really just about, you know, fostering a, a good environment and, and the progress will come to you. That's, you know, that's a, that's a good training plan. That's a good nutrition plan. And uh, just doing, you know, taking care of those things will allow you to progress versus uh, versus the other way around.
0: Yeah, that's a really important point that I picked up on at the seminar was that, you know, let's say traditionally it was like, we're going to do squats, we're going to do 100 kilos, you know, three by 10, for example. Yeah, it's like, right, but on the first set I got nine, so what do I do now on set like, you know, two and three? And I feel like that's kind of uh, something that maybe more like novices or beginners are not really fully aware of. So could you kind of like maybe give a more detailed explanation of how you can't, through force of will, you can't really just like hit a PO or hit, you know, whatever number?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, the the best way to, I think, I I think good analogies for this are uh, that pop up a lot are like analogies about like, a garden, you know, you'll hear this a lot. People will say, well, you can't force a garden to grow. You can, you know, you can have the right soil. You can, you know, water the plants, you can expose them to the sun, but you can't, you can't force, force a garden to grow. And I think that if you, if you, if you frame it like that to people, they can, they can get a better idea of, of, of like, okay, this is not something that I could just like, you know, p- put my head down and bear down, and watch enough motion, motivational videos and stuff like that, and I could I could move the the needle forward. Performance is something that you know, it's um. It, I I think those I think those things are are motivating when you see them, and you know when you see someone like overcome huge obstacles and and you kind of see that that performance at the end, but um, I think those things are special and exceptional because they're. it's it's really something that's it's it's special when you see something like that you know when you when you see a major competition and someone goes above and beyond what you thought they were capable of but uh training day in day out should should not be like that you know uh training should be something that kind of just nudges nudges you forward nudges nudges you a little closer to to where you want to be but it's not it's not someone it the the training stress can't be something that's like um forcing you in one direction or the other it's it's almost like it's lending a hand and and pulling you along so i've heard uh steve magnus a running coach describe it as training should just like embarrass your body a little bit you know each time you go to train it's just it's the stressor that just kind of asks asks a little more of you and just kind of embarrasses the body a little bit but it's not something that's so overwhelming it's not something that's so hard that it can't be repeated long term because i think if you if you talk to any, any strength athlete or any endurance athlete uh, that's at the top of their game after, you know, a long, hard career, I don't think you're going to hear like, oh, you know what? It was that one workout where I tried really hard. And that's, that's why I'm where I am today. It's, it's usually a long career of consistent training. And uh, most workouts were just normal, you know, not, not, not so hard that they overwhelmed you and, not so easy that they didn't do anything but it, you know it was just it was just good constant quality work over the long term and i think if people approach their uh their training like that it it would be much more enjoyable it's uh much easier to, to you know to come back to each day and uh i i think just more, much more productive in the long term
0: yeah you can keep coming back and showing up yep and yeah a description for running that i've heard of is that like on race day you get to show off all the training you've done in the lead up before it's not right. And you're not going to pull out like 150% performance on race day or or even meet day for a powerlifting meet out of just the sky, like out of nowhere. It's, it's, it's going to be all the training you did in advance. Um, So just going back to that point and your training shouldn't embarrass you. What kind of like, like intensity, how would we kind of quantify, you know, how much we're working in a session to know we're doing enough to kind of, um, you know, facilitate growth but not force it because you know from from what i gather we don't want to force growth and kind of um wreck ourselves every session we want to be able to show up consistently
1: right right uh so you're uh i i think the 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 idea of uh a minimum effective dose i don't think that that quite gets it i think uh i i think what you're looking for is uh training stress that's not only uh it it's not only productive for uh, for the lifter, but uh, it's it's something that's repeatable over over a long term. So uh it it it's not overwhelming in like an acute sense. Like you don't do this workout and it's you know, the session RPE was ten and I'm tanked for the rest of the week. The training stress should be that the workouts can flow, you know, from day to day in a week, from week to week in a block and you know if uh if if most workouts are kind of like a uh a, a, you know they i i hesitate to say comfortable or easy but they they are uh you know they're they're tolerable they're they're not overfacing overfacing you and that's not to say there's there's not value in you know in very hard sessions or very hard workouts but to accumulate enough volume i think that the intensity should be that one workout can flow to the next without obvious, like, you know, debilitating soreness or, you know, just a crashing levels of motivation. So I think there's like intensity parameters for strength training where, you know, you kind of, uh, make up most of your volume work. is in that, you know, 65 to 80% range. And that's kind of like uh, a running analogy would be, that's your easy runs. You know, that's, that's your reps. That's where, there, you're you're saying you know further away from failure. You're accumulating it. It's an intensity that's low enough that allows you to accumulate a lot of volume. Um, so I I think that's that that being the base work is easy, and then you just you can play with set counts, you can play with frequency to just find where an individual's you know doses. And then there's value in in also short periodic very hard training, very uh you know. But I I think that it's uh there's, there's this continuum. It can't be very hard and high volume and it can't be, you know, super easy. And, and the dose is so low that you, you're not doing anything. So I, I think those are good parameters. I, I always like to ask about my lifters about how their workouts are flowing from day to day and how they're feeling on certain weeks. And if you could build a rhythm where you're getting good, consistent training day after day, week after week, then I think you're, and, and you're moving the needle forward in terms of progress. I think you can, you can be pretty sure that the the, the dose is correct.
0: Yeah. I, I really feel as though you're kind of saying be intentional about what you do in your training, like from, you know, the, the macro level to like the micro level in the actual session. Is that something that you kind of work on with your, your clients where it's like you have like a specific goal that you're working on or maybe a specific lift or maybe for a specific period of time, you're trying to like, you know, go higher volume or lower volume or, you know, higher strength. Is that something you look at?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like, uh, I like short term goals for like, if, uh, if we're working on something in an individual session, I'll usually like write it down in their sheet, you know, I'll, I'll put a note or a comment like, Hey, these, uh, these sets should feel pretty easy. And if, if the RPE goes above this, then, you know, do this and drop weight or something like that. Sometimes I have goals for a block, like, Hey, this block is, uh, you know, we're just working on your conditioning a bit. It's not intended to be the block where we burn the house down with, uh, your strength levels. So I, I think that, uh, yeah, yeah. I I think intention is a, is a good way to put it, you know, having, having reasons for why you make the training decisions that you do. And, uh, I, I think discussing that with the athlete is, is almost always a good thing versus just going in blind.
0: Yeah. That's the, the beauty of the kind of the coach client relationship. You can kind of yeah. figure out. Yeah. What do they enjoy doing? Or do they have like a, sort of time frame in mind they're working towards. Yeah. So something that I've kind of come across I'm not sure exactly what percentage but like a decent percentage of my clients they want to they they know strength training is is uh good for for health. They want a bit more muscle mass, they want to feel better, look a bit better, but they're not sure specifically what they want to work on. So it's kind of like, you know, they kind of they put their trust in me as the the health professional to come up with a plan for them what was your what do you have a an experience with kind of clients where basically they know strength training is uh, something they want to explore but they don't have a specific goal in mind and they're looking kind of for help to come up with a goal do you do you uh come across that much with clients um and do you have any sort of like ideas for listeners who are who are kind of in that boat where they're like yeah i think now is the time where january getting into the the gym again but like what do i work on or what what what's a good goal to aim for yeah, yeah. So
1: uh I I think like I probably have less of these clients now that are just uh uh mo- most of the clients that come to me now have some specific strength training goals they they want to get after, but uh I I I have had you know quite a few of those of those clients that are just like, "Yeah, I w- I want to get into resistance training. I know what's good for me." And uh, usually I'll try to tie it to some other goal that they have just to get a bit of, you know, a bit more buy-in. So whatever the plan is going to be, you know, even if in my mind, I know the plan can be very flexible, you know, we're just trying to hit all major, all major muscle groups, uh, the the exercises at that point don't really, you know, matter as long as they target all those major muscle groups, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a back squat, it doesn't have to be a front squat, you know, um, so I, I know in my mind that the plan can look very different based on, you know, their preferences, what equipment they have available, stuff like that. So I'll usually just try to find something that they're after from this and kind of tie it to that. Because like, as I said before, I think telling an adult like, oh, well, you know, exercise is good for you. Therefore, you must do It's kind of like, I I, I don't think you're going to get great buy-in that way. Uh, So usually I'll tie it back to something. If it's, uh, you know, if, if they're doing this for a health related reason, then that's something that, you know, you can bring up and maybe, you know, make that, make that connection. If they're doing this, you know, just to be a bit more capable or, you know, they want to pick up their grandkids or something like that. Well, then that's, you know, that's something that you can also make the connection. But, uh, but I do think that going you know that one step further and tying it to something that they find important even if it's even if it is just that if it's just for the health benefits and i think having some way to track something like that would be would be what i would, would be what i would do you know so like when they get their physical if they get their blood work done if they you know if they're managing blood pressure or something like that then that's something that you can track over the long term and say hey you know this is this is improving um i have a client who uh really enjoys like Going skiing with his family you know and every like every few months i'll get an update like hey oh yeah you know uh th- um, i felt better this weekend i was able to carry my kids while we were doing this and i wasn't gassed at all while i was skiing you know so he, he doesn't care about you know if his squat gets better in particular or if his deadlift gets better but he does care about feeling better you know out on the slopes or something like that so yeah i i think going that one step further with the client and just trying to connect it to something that they find meaningful, then I think that's a, that's a good way to, you know, get more buy-in.
0: Exactly. It's like to train just for life itself and the, and the tasks of daily living, like whether you're a parent or just, um, you know, pre-parenthood, it's like, there's a lot to be said for kind of having good general health and maintaining that and having good energy levels to be able to function, um you know skiing or whatever kind of activities you're into you can really get a lot out of strength training that will carry over to those and um really feel a, a huge benefit so uh in your work with barbell medicine what's kind of like your, your main role um what's what's kind of the message of barbell medicine why is it like a little bit different to maybe other uh we'll call them like uh companies within the, the fitness sphere uh
1: yeah, so I I think uh well my my main role with uh, barbell medicine is just working one on uh working one on one with uh, clients. I have uh I have clients who are, you know, athletes or competitors. I have, you know, those general life athlete kind of clients as well. And um but I I think that uh what sets barbell medicine apart from some of the other companies in the space is that we're trying to tie this not only to performance but also health as you know uh, trying to take a complete look at the person you know we we talk a lot about the the biopsychosocial model of pain and i think that uh i'm, I'm not getting into the pain and the rehab side but i think uh ad- addressing the the whole person is i i guess that's uh that's what sets us apart it's not only about performance it's not only about athletics but um, also about you know, good health and educating people and giving them those tools to manage these things themselves. It's not just, you know, come here for your uh, strength program, although we're happy to help with that, but it's, uh, it's, it's arming them with the, that information also for, you know, so that they can do these things themselves and have that self-efficacy to get after their performance goals, their health goals and things like that.
0: Yeah. The self-efficacy part, that's huge. Uh, I love the idea that like after a certain time working with a client, they'll be able to uh, kind of manage their own health more effectively um, and, you know, make better health decisions in terms of like whatever it may be relating to their health. They have that education, that knowledge, that even just that confidence. So that's huge. Yeah. So um, in um, in in that work, then um, a key point is, you know, to remind everyone that they're under trained. So what's kind of, you know, the current state in terms of like the general population in America, like, um, let's just assume that someone has no idea, um, on, you know, how much people should be training or, you know, uh, what, what kind of percentages of the the population are doing enough training? Um, are, in your opinion, like, are most people, you know, healthy enough? Is there huge room for improvement? Is there enough people getting to the gym? Like, you know, I'm kind of, in the thick of it being a trainer myself so i feel like everyone goes to the gym but that's obviously (laughs) because i'm there all the time i'm yeah if i was on the outside looking in maybe i'd be like yeah no one really goes to the gym so yeah um can you just talk a little bit about that that um you know uh everyone is under trained uh as Bible medicine season
1: uh yeah well did you pull that from my
0: bio yeah. Yeah,
1: I'll, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to go in and edit that. But, uh, yeah, well, technically it's true. A large, you know, a large portion of the population, the, you know, the, the majority of the population does not meet physical activity guidelines. So, and those are, if, uh, if I told you the physical activity guidelines for training, it's, uh, uh, for resistance training, it's, uh, training all major muscle group all, or all, you know, muscle groups twice a week. That's, that's, that's what it is for resistance training. And uh, for aerobic training, it's 150 minutes to 300 minutes of uh, moderate intensity aerobic activity or something, anything that gets your heart rate up or, you know, quote unquote, cardio. And uh, yeah, so a, a large majority of Americans don't meet those guidelines. So um, that uh, and it's not because the guidelines are not there. They've been, they've been there for a long time. Uh, I think it, you'd be you can run into anyone on the street and. They'll name they'll name some of the benefits of you know resistance training or, or you know cardio or aerobic training. It's and it's not that people don't know that this stuff is good for them, but um, I think there's a larger conversation that needs to be had about access or making this stuff more accessible, more practical to everyone. So uh, I I think that uh, we're we're kind of we're kind of privileged in the space in that we get to see people already who are high, highly motivated to to exercise to train and like you said you think everyone trains because you're at the gym and you see people there all the time but um that's 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 really not the case and um we 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 certainly can do a better job of 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 making of making this stuff more more accessible to people i i don't know as I think as trainers, we can, we can do that with individuals, but on a, on a larger scale, I think that, uh, the, 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 probably the bigger lever we can pull is just more practical access for, you know, to gyms, to coaching, to, so we, uh, at Barbell Medicine, we try to do this with, you know, with, with our content, putting out, uh, you know, educational content, putting out, you know, free programs for folks and, Try to provide guidance that way. Try to have different price points for for guidance if people need that, you know, through the templates and, uh, you know, group programming or something like that. That's you know something else from the the one on one coaching. So I think in t- in terms of the fitness space, that's something that uh I think a lot of good com- a lot of companies are 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 doing that. But on on a wider scale, how do we get more people involved in, in physical activity? I think that, uh, that's probably a conversation for, you know, for policymakers and, uh, and, you know, uh, maybe getting, getting even kids more involved, uh, in, uh, on, on, um, on a national level in, in school programs or something like this. So I'll kind of share an anecdote, um, uh, where I grew up, uh, it was, uh, it was very hard to get access for places to like, uh, you know, uh, play ball or, or even, you know, get access to a gym or something like that. If, if you weren't on a structured like team, you know, for, for a school or a paid team or something like that. Um, and, uh, in schools outside my neighborhood, that was not the case, you know, and, uh, people that, that, and in schools where kids had parents that were, you know, a little more well-off kids regularly had access to, you know, to facilities or something like that. I rem- so I I think that um I I think some some way to to make this not just for the like athletic kids or just for people who are into fitness but opening the space up a little more to to grab some you know some some other folks would be would be great.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm like a firm believer that maybe not everyone can be like you know the next LeBron James, but you can get a lot out of exercise, you know, like yeah, those, yeah. uh, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like two workouts a week, full body, you could do so if you did that for long-term, you know, like 40 weeks of the year for right. you know a few decades, you would see yeah. a real good quality of life from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So am I right in saying that like when you were growing up, you didn't have the access you would have liked to, you know, activity. And you felt maybe you could have done better, you know, had you had more access to different, uh, physical activity uh, options uh but i i th- i think for me
1: that uh i i i was talking more like just in general maybe the, the the neighborhoods that i grew up in i did participate in a lot of sports growing up but again i was on a structured team i wasn't the nerdy band kid who probably could not ac- couldn't get access to the basketball court even if he wanted to you know so i i think that um i i think the conversation is is it it goes beyond uh, seeing those who are interested in this, and uh, saying, uh, you know, could, uh, did th- did uh, th- did you have the the opportunity? Because I think those people are, they 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 will find those, you know, they they'll find the gym, they'll find the access if if they're naturally good at these things or 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 something else. But I think it's about how do we get uh, you know, the the kid that plays band to you know to do some resistance training how do we get grandma to have you know some practical access to you know to a gym or something like that so i i think that if we're going to if we're going to move the needle on getting more of the population involved then that's where the conversation needs to be it's not going to be around um uh you know a highly motivated uh young man or woman you know that are that are athletic or already on that sports team or already in that sports club i think those people are going to find a way I'm worried about the other 80% of people who don't really have interest in that stuff. I'm worried about them just getting some, some access, some, something that doesn't require them to go out of their way or become, you know, a lunatic like me and, and train, you know, six days a week or something like that. So I I think that when we're talking about the population at large, that's going to be a much different conversation than talking to highly motivated people.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, you're almost making me think that it should be like subsidized. You know, there should be like, you know, a kind of discount, um, or I don't know. Almost, it should be seen as like, you know, housing, for example, or food, or kind of that that important to an individual's kind of well being, in, in a way where it's like people are. Uh, it's it's just made easier in some way. You know, on a on a on a bigger level, or yeah, there's like you know, there's more gyms or more of any sort of physical activity. Uh, facilities available um for much closer to like 100 percent of the population it's, it's a huge ask it's going to require a lot of money but it, it's like the benefit will be huge people's lives would improve so much like uh being able to uh achieve all the benefits or attain all the benefits you get from regular physical activity
1: yeah yeah i um uh, you'll see this in some uh major cities so cities that are more more walkable people tend to walk more um, places where it's easier to ride a bike, people, you know, ride more bikes. I think th- those kinds of, uh, those kinds of interventions are much, much more likely to, to cover that part of the population that's not intrinsically, you know, motivated to, you know, pick up a powerlifting routine or something like that. So, um, I, I think that some of that can be applied to, you know, youth sports, you know, that we shift the emphasis away from, you know, competition or just pushing kids so hard to, you know, find that one diamond in in the rough or something like that to just moving the goal to, Hey, how do we get as much kids as possible in, under this umbrella while they're young for, you know, as long as possible, give them, be- give them, you know, access to the best coaching for, for a long time. And then, you know, the, the, the cream is going to rise to the top no matter what. So maybe putting more emphasis on uh just getting more people in under that umbrella is would would probably drive i think more more change in terms of you know health and getting people to participate in exercise versus uh worrying about the details for those high performers i think those those folks will take care of themselves you know
0: they really will. And I think yeah, you know, you mentioned walking and cycling. It's like you can get so much you don't have to do powerlifting and go that like sort of intense or hardcore. You can get so much out of um any regular activity really. Um so just kind of bringing it back to like in the gym itself. Um warm-ups is something I've kind of been thinking about recently and like, you know, do you have like a kind of a, a template you use for, you know, this well, stick to the squat bench deadlift, like a certain kind of like, you know, percentages, rep ranges because if we're going to keep doing uh, powerlifting or you know weight training in the gym it kind of just makes sense to have a sort of a a go-to warm up to save time and get like into it efficiently and and not make a whole lot of decisions you know today should i you know should i, should I start at 10 or 5 reps and all this kind of stuff so yeah. do you you know do you always do a warm up do you recommend clients do them is there any kind of maybe takeaway for people listening who are like you know, I usually just jump in and load off the bar, and my first sets of working set, or someone else is doing like ten warm-up sets. It's kind of like what's a a nice sweet spot, or even maybe a sort of like kind of decision-making process for warming up.
1: Yeah, yeah. So warming up is actually uh, a it should be a pretty simple process, I think. Where where you run into trouble is like in those examples you listed, when people go to extremes, and you have the person who's like you know cheetahs don't warm up in the jungle so i'm just going to jump into my first working set that's you know that that's not the way to go about it and uh then you have the other side of the the spectrum where someone's warming up for 45 minutes and they have a massage gun and a blanket and you know something else and i i i think when uh i i think when people go to extremes is where they usually tend to get into trouble i always like to bring it back to all right, what are we doing with a warm up and it's actually really simple you're really just getting warm that's the overwhelming you know benefit of a warm up it gets your muscles warm that's how it increases performance so in a lab they've done this with you know heating pads calling it a passive warm up and that will actually drive a little performance benefit so it's it's a warm up is to get you physically and mentally prepared to train it's to just warm you up and uh i usually like to Make them fairly specific to the to the task. So if we're going to squat, the warm up is going to be you know some lighter squats. So that could be you know if someone wants to start with a body weight squat, that's perfectly fine. It, uh, if someone wants to start with an empty bar for a few sets, that's perfectly fine. You're just moving those muscles through very uh, similar ranges of motion, um, and you're just getting some easy movement to warm you up before you take some steady, even increments up to. Your working sets and i think that if people stick to those guidelines just try to make it you know fairly specific to what they're about to do um not have it take long and just keep the focus on using the warm-up as a chance to warm themselves up and prepare them for the for the work ahead then you it, it's kind of hard to mess it up because really any kind of you know light body weight movement or or you know movements with like a lighter barbell I mean, uh, with an empty barbell, will will warm you up. So whether you do, you know, a complex of RDLs and overhead presses and some front squats, that'll warm you up. Uh, if you're warming up for your deadlifts with uh, just some empty bar RDLs, that'll warm you up. If you're warming up with squats with some bodyweight squats or goblet squats, and you know, then you touch the bar, that'll also do it. So there's plenty of ways to like go about it, you know, but um, they 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 all kind of get at the same thing. But uh, the extremes is where people tend to run into trouble so that that's usually what I steer folks away from like yeah, you probably don't have to foam roll for 20 minutes before you you know you you start doing what you're gonna do so that's that, yeah so I, I do think warming up is important but it, it shouldn't take you shouldn't take you forever yeah, it
0: should be efficient and yeah yeah you can save a lot of time by not foam rolling in my opinion yeah. and with uh with warming up so like is there a certain kind of intensity that you would say right we want to stop at this point um maybe kind of like some specifics i'm maybe i'm I'm trying to come at it in the wrong way i feel like but I, I like your point of you're just trying to get you know your body warm get your heart rate up but is there any sort of rough guideline you could you could throw out there yeah
1: yeah so for uh so for i i guess this would be after the you know the the, the get you going warm up the just the first couple empty bar sets uh I like to make the jumps relatively even. So they're not um they're not first tiny jumps and then you're taking large jumps in weight. So I'll I'll have that be the guideline. In terms of percentages, I I can spit out some percentages, but I always hesitate to do that because then people think they need to load that exact percentage or else it's not gonna work. Um but I uh I, I think like, you know, something like 30% for the first warm-up you know, 50% for the second and then maybe 60, 70, 80%. So you could see how it's bigger jumps at first and then just steady steady jumps all the way up. You want to make your first few warmups, uh, maybe some those will be bigger jumps than your last warmup before your working set. Um, it should be maybe three to five sets total up to your working sets. So if you're a very, very strong individual, that's probably going to be a, a few more warmup sets. And if you get to your working set weight, um a little sooner that might be you know three or four but uh the the idea is to make them even a lot of people will naturally do this because of the plates at the gym so 145 at a time and then when their things are getting a little heavier they'll add a 25 or a 10 and then a five so i think the the you it, it's hard to mess it up unless you're, you're doing something that goes against those rules make them steady limit them limit them to three to five after your empty bar sets uh Take bigger jumps first, smaller jumps later. And that 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 will get you ninety percent of the way there. Unless we're talking about very specific kind of like meat strategy kind of warm ups or for singles or something like that. In which case I'll just go on a case by case basis and give people some some structure.
0: Yes. And I feel like uh depending on how your plan has been laid out in advance, if you're at week one versus week, you know, eight, for example, it might change a little bit and also um those percentages you gave like let's just say 30 50 70 uh let's say you're in week one and the the weights you're using are relatively lighter that 30 percent that 50 percent that's going to be lighter than if you're if you're doing a single in week eight for example is that fair to say yeah
1: yeah 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 sure yeah yeah i think uh usually kind of like ballparking what your working sets are going to be or if you have that uh planned already and and working backwards from there uh that will usually get you close enough. There's no perfect way to, to, to come to, you know, a working set weight as long as you adhere to those things and gradually work up to gradually work up to
0: it. Yeah. Kind of like you said earlier, like, you know, when dealing with the human body, like we're just going to take is there, like we can't really force an outcome on it. So we um, yeah. just have to take whatever is there on a given day.
1: Yeah. If, uh if you ever get a chance, there's a really cool video, out there on youtube of uh, usain bolt warming up for one of his uh, i think i think it was like a pr race or something and it goes through his entire warm up from like you know walking out of the locker room onto the track all the way up to you know his his pr performance and if you if you looked at how simple it was it would kind of drive you crazy and you could see all these other athletes be, like you know behind him doing all sorts of fancy things and he really just starts off with like you know just a little bit of jogging then he runs a little faster then he does some starts and then he you know runs a little faster still and then he goes out and races and that that was it you know and if uh, if that approach was good enough for him then i think it's speaks for itself you know
0: that's another point i was thinking to make is uh individual preference what you enjoy doing so not yeah. just like blindly oh this is the warm-up i do because i think it's the best because you know usain Bolt or hassan mentioned it. it's like Actually, I enjoy doing 30%, 50%, 70%. It works for me. It's part of a plan. I've, I've yeah. uh, thought about it.
1: Yeah, 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 that'll work.
0: So, Hassan, I've taken enough of your time. Is there any kind of final message you want to wrap up on or uh, let people know about anything you're doing that's coming up?
1: Uh, no, I, I think that covers it. Um, I am planning to put out a little more content this year on my Instagram. I started the other day with uh, my colleague, uh, Coach Ben. Uh, you can find him on instagram as well and uh i think that um that that's kind of the plan for this year to just put out a little more educational content for everyone and uh hopefully stay in the loop a little better than i did last year but uh uh if anyone wants to find me you know head on over to my i can send you know if wants to contact me somebody,
0: but, uh, yeah catch all your, uh, details. As well as the so, uh thank you very much for your time. Let's take off